Hi, it's me. Welcome to my podcast. What shall we do with a drunken sailor? What shall we do with a drunken sailor? Early in the morning. Way up she rises. Way up she rises. Way up she rises. Early in the morning. So there I was drinking Grand Marnay in the Horse and Carriage Inn in the West End of Vancouver, trying to figure out a name for my boat. I had a sailing school called Dynasty Sailing, and the Horse and Carriage Inn um, grateful, or graciously provided a roped-off area in their club so that we could have a club night. And the club um, drink uh, became Grand Marnier. I also had a Bayfield 25 sailboat that I wanted to register, and for the life of me, I couldn't come up with a name. Uh, if you're interested, it's the same boat uh, on the cover picture uh, that I'm on the, uh, uh, the front of it, uh, and the waves are flying, and the wind is blowing, and I'm somewhere out in the middle of Georgia Strait there. Well, anyway, I'm staring at this bottle of Grand Marnier and reading the label on it, and it says, where the oranges are wild. So, well, what's in a name? So it was a name that I figured, well, you wouldn't have to spell it to the Coast Guard if you were sinking, and it was probably one that no one else had. Wild oranges, it became. So that became the name of the boat, and that was the boat that I eventually sailed down the Oregon coast, and I spent a lot of time on it. I lived on it. I. Uh, toured the uh, Sunshine Coast on it. Uh, uh, I traveled most of the protected waters uh, between Vancouver Island and, and uh, uh, the mainland in it. I had bought two of these vessels to add on to my sailing school fleet, mostly because they were pretty, uh, like they had eye appeal, and I trusted the integrity of Harbor Yachts, who was selling them at the time, as being seaworthy. And they had, uh, they were larger than uh, the most boats that people taught sailing on. I like to teach on boats with uh, capabilities of going over to the Gulf Islands, uh, uh, similar to what they would buy themselves uh, cruising. And I also liked the idea that it had an inboard diesel engine. Now, one deficiency in the engine was that it was. Um, very noisy and had a lot of vibration. And what it was was a, a Yanmar single cylinder that had been uh, basically a tractor engine. And it was designed to be well, ma to be maintained easily and whatnot. But the problem was is that I think they cut down the flywheel to make it light enough to go in the boat. And that made it, uh, gave it a lot of vibration because of the single cylinder. And it also uh, made it uh, impossible to hand start if it was cold. Now, um, nowadays they've got these uh, really nice uh, three-cylinder small diesel tractor engines that are lightweight and no vibration. And one of those would have fit in really nicely. Another thing I liked about it was it had a full keel with a rudder attached that protected the propeller. If you happen to go over a log, which I actually did offshore one time, you don't 
uh, run the risk of damaging your propeller or ripping out your shaft or wrecking your rudder. Critics would say that the shallow draft would cause it to make a lot of leeway, but I never noticed that. The other criticism had to do with the uh, uh, weather helm. And what it was was a lot of sailors were used to these high aspect racing boats or high aspect sail plans where they, you've got a short boom and a uh, long mast. The Bayfield had a low aspect ratio, which meant that it had a relatively short mast and long boom. And what would happen is that it would develop weather helm if you tried to hold the boom down with a boom vang and, and flatten out the sail. And of course, weather helm would cause you to have to correct with the rudder. It would try to always be going up into wind and then that would cause rudder drag and slow you down. The fact of the matter was, with, was you were not supposed to use a boom vang on these boats and utilize the sail twist to move the center of effort forward and that would correct for weather helm. It did have a relatively short water line for the length of the boat. It was something like 19 and a half feet water line and then the uh, overall length of the boat with the bowsprit was 25 feet. But um, as I, if I remember correctly, the formula for, for hull speed is 1.34 times the square root of your water line. And you're, you're limited in speed by your hull speed or uh, with a displacement boat uh, simply because uh, the faster you go or any speed you go, you start creating a trough. You create a bow wave and the bow wave naturally creates a trough. Then what happens is the faster you go, the larger the bow wave and the deeper the trough until there's a point at which you cannot um, uh, go any faster without climbing over your bow wave and planing or um, in the old days with these large uh, square sailed ships, they had a term that was called uh, sailing them under. And what would happen is they would be pouring on so much sail and going so fast that they would actually bury the bow into uh, the bow wave and uh, sink the boat. I did, however, have a friend who had a Hunter 26, and when the winds came up uh, every once in a while, we would go out and race, or we would race back from the Gulf Islands. And for some reason, I could always keep up with him. He could always keep up with me. We were pretty well neck to neck all the time. So. It was a comparable to other boats in, in, a, in that size range. Um, if you're going to do uh, any long distance sailing, of course, well, you know, a 40-foot boat is going to go a lot faster just because of the water line, and the 32-foot boat will go faster because of the water line sort of thing. But at the same time, they're larger boats to handle. There's more sail, uh, takes more strength, uh, sometimes takes more people. Um, one thing about the Bayfield 25 was it was a very friendly boat to single hand. Now one thing I can say about this boat is that I did sail it offshore and I did experience 50 knot plus winds and uh, it seemed to sail better the stronger the winds were. It seemed to sort of just sit down and go. Now one of the things is that I did have storm sails for it which meant a triple reef in the main and uh, a storm jib that was about a third the size of a working jib. It was like a, just like a handkerchief. One thing I would caution is not to use shackles for your, uh, for your lines. Um, uh, 
for your sheets. Uh, I had a shackle for my jib sheets and uh, I was on a lee shore and the winds came up and this was down in southern Oregon and uh, what happened is I tried three times to raise that jib and every time the uh, wind fluttering the, the jib would uh, throw the shackle off so finally which is another good thing always pack a knife I, uh, I cut the uh, the shackle off and threw a couple of bowlines in there and and raised it just in time to claw off a lee shore but again it did claw off a lee shore and that to me was quite remarkable I also uh, went under bare poles one night with a following sea and it seemed to do okay in, in those conditions as well. Now as I mentioned I did have two boats, uh, two bay fields. One of them uh, I had no engine problems with, that was the other one, not the Wild Oranges. On my personal boat, the Wild Oranges, I had a habit of blowing a head gasket every once in a while. Uh, probably because uh, it, first of all, it had a soft uh, gasket that was meant to be uh, changed every once in a while. And also, uh, I may not have torqued it down enough. I may have been, you know, a little too careful on the torque, so it may have caused it to give way. But it never really uh, prevented me from sailing anywhere. Um, I remember blowing it uh, before going into Westview one time, and I sailed all the way from, I sailed into Westview, I sailed out of Westview, I, you know, without an engine, I sailed all the way up to uh, Desolation Sound, uh, went to Redonda Island, docked at the dock, sailed off from the dock, uh, sailed down uh, Georgia Strait. Uh, I remember we got becalmed uh, in the middle of Georgia Strait for a day, but we just uh, threw a line over the side and cat caught fish and cooked it up and relaxed until the wind came up and had a beautiful spinnaker sail all the way down uh, uh, to Gibson's and uh, sailed right into Gibson's Harbor. Uh, another time uh, when I was heading offshore, I blew the head gasket outside of Souk and uh, had uh, had to uh, uh, sail uh, into Skook, Souk, which was a long uh, sort of dredged uh, um, area to, to sail into a very narrow. And what, one of the things about the Bayfield is that it sculled really good with just the rudder. About the Bayfield was that they changed the design over time. Not uh, fundamentally, but little tweaks. They uh, made the rudder better, uh, they made the keel better, little things like that. Uh, uh, I could see those in sort of prior editions of the one that I had. And I forget exactly the year that mine was made. I, I don't know if there have been modifications since then. But overall, I found it a really nice boat. I would loved it. Um, sort of got accustomed to it, and I, you know, like a friendly old pair of shoes. And uh, I really didn't find anything wrong with it, and would love to be sailing it again. Well, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Thanks for listening. Hope you tune in again.